And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Although, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Howard Duff stars as Dashiell Hammett's hard-boiled detective Sam Spade from 1948. But first, it's Movie Jeopardy! Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular TV shows and movies, and I'll try to name the show and movie while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? That's pretty much right, Carl. In this edition, we are going to hear top songs heard in movies. Top songs. Name the movie. Top songs heard in movies. Name, name the, the movie. movie. Okay. Okay? Okay. I'll I took mix my things up a little bit. So I should be fine. I like to mix things up a little bit, even though you don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here is. If the... it's working, I don't like to change it. You know, what I, I mean? know. I just like a little variety. Okay, here's the first song. My love, there's only you. All right, so who's singing right now? Lionel Richie. Right. The only thing that's Do you know what song it is? Um, it would help. Um, yeah, it's. Um, that's Diana Ross. It's, uh, I know the, I know, I know this you song. Um, 1981. Endless Love. Yes. That's Endless the, Love. Yes, that's the name of the song and the movie. All right. Nice. Starring Brooke Shields. I'm sure you saw it. It's very romantic. I hit ding, ding, but it didn't play. Okay. So. <laughs> Try it again. No, it didn't play. No. Okay. And Tom Cruise, that was his film debut. Wow, really? Yeah. Did Tom you see Cruise? the movie? No. It's way, way too... Nah. Sweet. Romance. All right, I don't have any All right. dings. Okay, ding ding. <laughs> All right, next song. It's the morning sun. Now this one I know. I know. What's the I name of the song? the song? First? Sure, why not? Um well, who's singing? Bee Gees. The Bee Gees. Um, this is uh, How Deep Is My Love. <laughs> How Deep Is Your Love. Or Your Love. Yeah. And is it's it My from, Love or is it Your it's Love? It's yours. Definitely yours. This is Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever, 1977. And I'm hitting a ding, but it's Ding, ding. ding I'll ding. do it for you. <laughs> Great job. All right. Here's the next one. Oh, I know this. You know all of them, but it's hard to produce. So what's the name of the song first? Flashdance. That's the movie. Oh, so oh, yeah. fair enough. All right. So the movie is Flashdance. The song is um, What a Feeling. Yes. Wow. Am I? This see, is good. Provigen. I did my Provigen. <laughs> it's good. 60 looks good on you, Carl. Wow. 
<laughs> I tell you that, Provagen works. Do, so. do whatever you got to do, Carl. I'm telling you. All right, here's the next song. Okay. Okay, I know it. I, I picked so ones song, that you would know. The song is the my bodyguard. That's the movie. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the movie is my bodyguard. The movie is the bodyguard. Who's singing? That's um, yeah. <laughs> that's um, that's her. Yeah, that's her. Mm-hmm. Whitney Houston. Yes, and the name of the song is. Um. My darling, you. Um. Anything. Well, you got the movie. Let me tell you something. I saw this movie, this movie that... 1992, The Bodyguard. No, no, I'm talking about... There was a movie recently made about her. Oh, right. And some girl played her. I don't know who that girl was. She was fantastic. And it was unbelievable. Such a great movie. I heard about it, but I didn't see it. It's so good. You should see it. I'm sure I love it. And the name of the song is... If I... And I... I... What? We'll always, we'll always love, you. love you. There it is. You okay. got it. All right. Ding, 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 ding. ding. All right. Here's the next one. Who's that? Who's That's the woman? Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand, and she's singing with Chris Christopherson. Okay, so I know the, I know the movie. Okay. The movie is A Star is Born. That is right. And that's your job. Name the I mean, movie. That's I mean, right. And the name of the song is Evergreen. But I'm only I looking mean, for the name of the movie here. If I didn't have arthritis in my shoulder. <laughs> you would be patting yourself on the back. I, yeah. I would be <laughs> patting myself on the back right and now. And again, now we remember what 60 is. Good job. Well, I've got so, one more to go. Oh, okay. All I've right? gotten every one, right? You're going to get the last one, too. Okay. Right, so that's Huey Lewis in the news. Right. And the name of the song is? Let me give you the movie, first sure. of all. The movie is Back to the Future. Back to the Future, okay. 1985, Michael J. Ding, Fox. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. And the song is Power of Love. There it is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Who, who am I? I don't even recognize who you. the heck am I? I don't know who I'm sitting I mean, across we're from. about Songs. Right? I'm not a big, like... Songs and movies. This is a good segment. We'll we'll do a part two next week. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I just want everyone (laughs) listening to know that I got every single one of those right. You do every song and every movie. We're on a roll. I'm going to force my arms. No, you're not quite reaching it. Okay. (laughs) When we come back, Howard Duff stars as Sam Spade Detective. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Hey, before we uh, tune in to Sam Spade, I'm going to tease the audience. Listeners, I have a very, very, very special announcement I will make in this hour. So please be listening and maybe even have a pen and paper. Ooh, have a pen and paper ready, Lisa. I have a new pen. Yep, 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 she does. Very exciting night. (laughs) So yeah, I have a very, very, I'm really excited about telling our listeners about this new thing that's going on. Tease, tease, tease. But before that, let's tune in to Sam Spade, detective. Uh, he was, uh, um, I don't know, probably the most famous detective of all time, really, Sam Spade. Maybe Sherlock Holmes is a little more, more I don't know. But uh, Sam Spade, of course, came to prominence due to Dashiell Hammett's film, The Maltese Falcon. And Sam Spade was a hard-boiled detective, very cold and detached. He had a keen eye for detail, and he was determined to achieve his own justice. Humphrey Bogart starred as Sam Spade in the 1941 film that led to a 1946 radio show. Now, he did not star in the radio show. Howard Duff did, and he did a great job. Lorene Tuttle played his secretary, Effie Perrine. And um, I got to tell you, it was uh, super, super, super popular. This is a CBS broadcast, July 18, 1948, called The Missing Newshawk Caper. It's sponsored by the cream oil that Lisa uses on her hair, Wild Root Cream yeah, Oil. it's the best It's one. nice and greasy on oh, your yeah. hair. It kind of drips down. <laughs> uh, Howard Duff stars. Here's part one now of The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam's Bay Detective Agency. Bernadine. Anything wrong? You sound almost human. It's not Bernadine, Sam. It's me, Effie. Eff! But I'll tell Bernadine about your compliment. How are things? Well, uh, I've made out as best I could. I don't want to, don't want you to think that I begrudged you a vacation. After all, you have worked hard. You uh, did deserve it. Sam Spade, is that all you have to say to me? I'm not putting the blame on you. After all, it is a state law, so I can hardly accuse you of letting me down at a time when I needed you most. Well, you might at least ask me if I had a good time. I'm sorry if your conscience bothered you. Oh, well, it didn't. I had a divine time, and I met all sorts of interesting people. Mostly men. You don't say. What else? Well, it was this desert ranch, you know, with a lot of uh, buttes around. You uh, mentioned those. No, Sam. No, no, no. They're the result of erosion. Those outdoor types, they go to pieces. Sam, are you pulling my leg? Not over the phone, Effie, but stay where you are. I'll be right down to look at your snapshots. And when you have the time, I'll dictate my report on the missing newshawk caper. <laughs> Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, 
and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Outside of Kanab on Virgin River. Kanab, the Pearl of the West. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And did I mention the buttes? Oh, well, they're very interesting. The uh, result of erosion. Yes. And it's authentic, too. Faye Hamlin's ranch. You uh, mean a working ranch? Yes. You see, that way you get into the spirit. Mm-hmm. My job was to feed the chickens. And that's how I met him. <sighs> One of the buttes? Oh, Sam, he's a very cultured gentleman. Culture smulcher. What's he do for a living? He, well, he cures stammering. You don't say. What's his name? Charlie Shank. Charlie Shank? He's the founder of the Shank Institute of Articulative Correction, which I should learn. Articulative Correction. Where is this institute? Oh, I have the address here. Um, General Delivery, Butte, Montana. Mm Mm-hmm. You're sure you didn't help him break parole, Abby? Oh, no, oh, no, no. We just went on long walks together. Where to? Oh, different points of interest. Like, uh, like Wolf Canyon... Figures. Uh-huh. He invited me on this camping ship, a trip. Honorable, of course. Mm. But I couldn't go on account of my sunburn. Oh, oh. an awful, awful. Oh, I still got bad. it, you see. Mm. And then, then he went back to Butte. He had to leave in such a hurry, he couldn't even say goodbye. Well. It was a pity, too, because an old friend he hadn't seen in years came looking for him just a few minutes later. With a warrant? No. No, he was an attendant in a nearby hospital. Mental? Oh, yes. Very intelligent. <laughs> he read me some of his poetry. Maybe you've heard it. Um, a loaf of bread... A jug of wine and thou. Hey, wait a minute. Isn't that the ruby out of Omer Cayenne? That was written by a guy named Fitzgerald. Well, of course. That's his pen name. Quite a penman. Yes, but he's paid his debt to society. And the other time it was a bad beef. Oh, naturally. He told me all about yeah, it. Sure. He cried on my shoulder afterwards. Sweetheart, when you make a mistake, it's a beaut. Sam, nothing happened. Well, I'm glad he cured you of stammering, anyhow. <clears throat> Ready? Oh, yeah. I've got a brand Work, new you notebook. Know. Life goes on. I've got a brand new notebook, Sam. I'll just turn over a new leaf. Not a bad idea, dear. <laughs> uh, date uh, July 18 to Mr. Alex M. Youngblood. Uh, mm, try that again. Mr. Alex M. Youngblood, P.O., Box 317, San Francisco, from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Dear Mr. Youngblood, I need a vacation myself. You need Charlie Shank. <sighs> you sound tired, Sam. Fortunately, until I met you, my only experience with any of the men and women who make your newspaper run had been with one of your corner newsboys who shortchanged me two times within as many days. I have not read your rag since. But your name looked imposing, and so did the $300 check upon which you had written it. Per your instructions, promptly at 4 p.m. on the 15th inst., I much through the litter of your city room toward a door marked A.M. Youngblood, publisher, managing editor, and city editor. I wondered if you were ambitious, frugal, or three men. I did not know that you had good taste until I saw the trim, 20-ish, and toothsome secretary in your outer office. Hello. You're new here, aren't you? Uh, well, I'm not exactly here. I'm just here to see Mr. Youngblood. Oh. The name is Spade. Samuel Spade? Sam, except for my most intimate friends. <laughs> 
Well, my advice to you, Sam, is to beat a hasty retreat. He's in a foul mood. Oh? Uh, why? Is he blind or older than he feels? I refer, of course, to your spectacular charm, Miss... Uh, if I may call you, Miss. Please, this is neither the time nor the place. My name is Phyllis Watson, and my phone number is in the directory, if you're really interested. I could be. Thank you. And if a man answers, tell him you're my French teacher. We. Oui. <laughs> you better go in now. If you're late to an appointment with him, you're through. Uh, do you have any more words of wisdom? No, but I hope you can do something to improve his state of mind. He's been awful lately. Good luck, Sam. Uh, thank you, Phyllis Watson. Come in, come in. Now, one minute past four. You must be Mr. Spade. That's right. You're almost late. Sit down, Spade. Cigar? Uh, no, thanks. Well, don't expect me to offer a drink. You aren't a drinker, I hope. You don't listen to the radio, do you? Well, you'll not drink in this office. Nothing here but a cooler filled with water from a clean, gurgling, laughing mountain stream. You sound like a reformed drunk, Mr. Youngblood. What's that? Well, it was a good many years ago. If you don't mind, I'll just paste up the weather report for my morning edition before we talk. Oh, you do that too, huh? Yes, obviously. And with good reasons. I remind myself that I was once a copy boy, and I find it a splendid way to, uh, at least once each day, to lower myself to the level of the working man. There we are. Very hot in Phoenix, I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, just what do you want a detective for, Mr. Youngblood? I was coming to that, Mr. Spade. Sorry. Now, uh, well, first let me warn you that your assignment is a highly confidential one. They all are. In this case, a man's life may be at stake. Mm -hmm. The situation, my newspaper, at my order and under my guidance, has launched a campaign against crime, not aimed at the petty criminal, but at the easy-living leeches at the controls of the rackets, the hoods in bankers' clothing, the mansion-house parasites who direct the pickpockets, the second storymen, the housebreakers, who gamble away yeah, half a million uh, dollars a easy. year uh, and uh, pay income tax yeah, yeah, don't a go to pieces. of that amount. Uh, yes, I and, understand, I understand. Uh, you're after the boys on the safer side of the fences. Uh, uh, nicely put, Spade, yes. Well, thank you. Well, the long and short of it is this. The author of the expose series, Ray McCulley, my top crime reporter, has been missing for two days. I want you to find him. What makes you think he's still alive? Good heavens, Spade. Why must you suggest that he isn't? Because if I were a mansion-housed parasite in danger of being unhoused by a newshawk, I'd see said newshawk standing in a cement block in the bottom of the bay. I will accept that only when no stone has been left unturned. Every straw and every haystack has been searched. Every... Uh, nook and cranny? Uh, yes. Sounds as though you need at least one police force, Mr. Youngblood. Now, why don't no, you just... No, uh... no, no, no. Impossible. We've already had a brush with the police over the expose. I'll not be dictated to at this stage of the game. I started this investigation, and I'll finish it alone. Well, it's a pretty big order, Mr. Youngblood, but uh, times are tough. I'll see what I can do. Good. I hereby turn over to you all the resources and power of this, my newspaper. When one of my reporters is in trouble or danger, sir, I will spend every penny of my fortune, if necessary, to deliver aid and succor to his side. <laughs> You then gave me Ray McCulley's expose stories to date. I saw why you, his family and friends, and his creditors could have been worried about him. They were hot. One followed a stolen car from the time of the heist through the alteration of the body color, tire brands, license number, motor serial number, to the time it was shoved onto a used car lot. They named names all the way through. And another did the same to the firm of Otter, Badger, and Mole, furriers, and alleged manufacturers of coats from clouted pelts. 
Ray McCulley had dropped out of sight right after that story had been published. So I left your office hoping that I'd reach the address of Otter, Badger, and Moe before closing time. I did. The plushy showroom was occupied by a dozen attractive fur-bearing models, female, but wax. The live models, male, were wearing padded shoulders, pointed shoes, and coats tailored for underarm artillery. They would have looked more natural at Madame Tassard's waxworks, Bertram the burglar section. Hey, oh, hey, what'll it be? Something for a little woman? Uh, where do I find Mr. Otter? You the law? Uh, Leo sent me. He's in his office. Come on. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't crowd me. You say you want to see the boss? On business. Stop nudging me with a rod. In there. Hey, move. Okay, okay. Hey, your boss. Yes, Woody? Here's a Joe here to see you. Leo sent him. Well, nudge him in, Woody. No nudging, Woody. Well, well, well. So Leo's sending a man to see me. I wonder why. If you'll uh, comb this character here out of my hair, I'll try and tell you. Sit down, Woody. Thanks. You're new in town. Uh, yeah, that's why Leo sent me. A local muckraker named Ray McCulley interviewed you. He also interviewed Leo, but it didn't get printed yet. Uh, Leo wants to find him. So do I. How can I help? Well, uh, he walked out of here, went to his hotel, wrote the story, and mailed it in. That's the last anybody's seen of him. Uh, Leo was just sort of hoping that you'd already taken care of him. Not yet. That's all I wanted to know. Thanks. Just a moment. Yeah? Leo sending you out alone? Why not? That's a tough boy, that McCulley. He's got plenty of protection. That's what you need. What kind of protection? Go along with him, Woody. Who, me? You're Woody, aren't you? Now, look, uh, look, Mr. Otter. I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, but the way I see it, this is a, a lone wolf-type caper. Hey, what's the matter, hey? You think I'm too good for you? Well, Woody, I wouldn't say that. Good, it's settled then. Take care of him, Woody, and don't mix it up with any of Leo's boys. If he's out to get that rat McCulley, he's our friend. That uh, Woody needs protection. Yes, I picked up on Did that. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Don't miss that there. Uh, anyway, the adventures of Sam Spade, detective, in my rim shots <laughs> and everything, nothing's working still. See? <laughs> ding, ding. No, no ding, ding. No nothing. No nothing. I got nothing. But That's um, okay. I'm here for you. It's okay. <laughs> Sam Spade, detective, uh, going back to July 18th, 1948, the missing Newshawk caper starring Howard Duff. Do you notice that uh, the guy he's talking to right there is William Conrad? But William Conrad, you know, who had a very deep voice, right. is purposely raising it right. up. In right? contrast. Probably right? the sure. director, Gil Dowd, probably said, you know, you guys sound so much alike with that right. deep voice, Howard Duff and you. Mm-hmm. So, Bill Conrad, could you please go higher a little bit? And he's yeah. doing it like a little higher. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Howard Duff had a deep, baritone, mellifluous voice like me. Mm-hmm, exactly the yeah. same. I was thinking that. All right, stick around. More of Sam Spade after this. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl, Amari, and I co 
co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. I mentioned a little earlier that I had a special announcement before we get back to Sam Spade. Let's do it. You ready, Lisa? I'm ready, Carl. You know, a lot of people, um, a lot, a lot of people that we have listening to the show are podcast subscribers. They they pay $5.99 a month, and they get every Monday the full five-hour Hollywood 360 show plus our radio rarity show. So you get uh, a whole lot of stuff every week for only five ninety nine a month. But when you add that up, it's $72 a year. Okay. So we were thinking like, how can we make this even more attractive for um, people out there to get the podcast, to get the full five hour show every Monday along with radio rarity. So we came up with a plan. You ready folks? You pay $100 and only one time pay that. That's for the life of the show. So every single year from now till the end of the show, hopefully it's going to be at least another 16 years, Lisa, they will get the podcast for a one-time $100 um, fee. But we're going to make that even better. We're going to mail you an official Hollywood 360 coffee mug. That's for U.S. residents only. And it's a really special coffee mug. It has our logo on it for Hollywood 360 and the Radio Rarities podcast logo. And it also, are you ready for this? Has photos of me and Carl on the mug. (laughs) So you can drink your coffee. So every morning you can uplift your coffee experience. And we will be right there along with you. Smiling at you. Smiling ear to ear. And, you know, some people would prefer to do a one-time payment of $100 too. Um, That works out better for some people. Yeah, some people don't like the the every month getting and that works out better for other people. So we have an option this way. Yeah, but the good news is it will literally last literally as long as the show goes year after year after year after year after year. Yeah, one time cost one hundred dollars. You get the radio rarities. You get the Hollywood three sixty, and you get a smiling with you in a mug every morning of your life. That's, now, if that's, that's not right. attractive, I don't know what is. And you can still do the five ninety nine a month. Right. If it's you an want. option. Now, here's if you are already a five ninety nine a month podcast subscriber and you want to switch over, or if you're not a podcast subscriber and you want to sign up, there's two ways to do it. You can go to our website. It's really easy. It's there at the very top of the website, Hollywood three sixty radio. Dot com. That's like kind of the easiest way. It's super simple. Just uh, go there, Hollywood360radio.com. Or if you want to call tonight, we're going to do our best to answer the calls, me and Lisa. You can call 815-900-7535. We're, uh, if we don't answer, that means we're on the phone with somebody else, but we will call you back. Or if we're you on the phone. air, which is possible, yeah. too. 815 <laughs> 815- 900-7535. Call us. You'll either talk to me or Lisa tonight. And um, if you don't get us, leave your number. Yeah. We will call you back. Yeah, we uh, do look forward to talking to everybody to sign them up. 
888-900-3835. Okay, it's time now for the conclusion to the adventures of Sam Spade Detective. I was beginning to wonder who Leo was. I'd grabbed the name off a calendar on the wall, Leo's Van and Storage. I didn't know whether he was the Leo Mr. Otter didn't like, and I hoped I wouldn't find out. The best way I could think to keep from finding out was to shake Woody. On the way uptown, I walked them past four police stations. Crossing Market Street, I pushed them straight into the arms of a traffic cop who begged his pardon and let me off with a warning. At the Blue Bottle Bar and Grill, I gave Joe, the bartender, the Mickey Finn sign, but Woody liked it. He ordered another. Then he said he knew a place on Columbus where the drinks were even better. It was called Leo's Place. I wondered if that meant anything. Hey, oh, hey. Uh, who, me, huh? I want your drink. Don't you like this joint? Yeah, sure, it's fine. Uh, we're not getting anywhere, though. You really take your work serious. Me, when I go gun for somebody, I go where I'm least likely to succeed. You live longer. Yeah. Uh, Woody, what do you know about this guy, uh, McCulley? You hear the puss. He says he's a rat. Yeah, but he said he's got plenty of protection. Who's furnishing it? Well, you see, there's the... Boy, oh boy. Look at what just walk in. I looked. What I saw was not disappointing. She was wearing a skin-tight black satin with a plunging neckline and a new look only in places where it didn't matter. But she still looked enough like your secretary, Phyllis Watson, to be out of place in Leo's place. She didn't stay there long. She made a beeline through the kitchen to the rear exit. I made a beeline right after her. Woody was breathing down my neck as I started up the rickety outside stairway at the back of the building. I uh, stopped the landing and turned around to face him. See you later, Woody. I didn't wait to see if he made it all the way to the bottom of the stairs. I was more interested in what was going on at the top. A door had opened and Phyllis stepped inside. The man who let her in looked like Ray McCulley. Who are you? Well, the name is Spade. I don't know that name. Your boss hired me to find you. Private Dick. Yeah. Can I uh, talk to you for a minute? Sure. Put your hands behind your neck and walk up slow. Okay. All right. Go inside. Well, what's the matter? You're not acting glad to see me. That's the guy, fellas. Yes. Alex hired him this afternoon. There you see. Now, uh, what do you want me to tell Youngblood? You're not going to tell anybody anything. It caught me right behind the ear. The last thing I saw was that plunging neckline as Phyllis rushed forward. I didn't know whether she was rushing to my rescue or to get in a few licks of her own. Five seconds later, I didn't care. As the design of the linoleum slammed up at me, I had just time to wonder why, of all the people who were looking for Ray McCulley, I had to find him. Then I was out. Boing. Maced for my pains. lying on the floor in a room with nothing in it but a sink, an army cot, a square of dirty linoleum, and a body. I staggered to my feet, ran some cold water over my head, and took a closer look. It was Ray McCulley. He was a very dead, crusading reporter. He'd been stabbed clean through with a long-bladed kitchen knife that set on the handle property of Leo's place. I went through his pockets, and his wallet, a press card, a police card, union card, and ten genuine, crisp, new thousand-dollar bills. That gave me a line on the killer. He was crazy. So was I. I left it on him, too. Folded up in his vest pocket, I found two newspaper clippings, one from the Chronicle and one from your paper, both weather reports for the same date. It was very hot in Phoenix, according to both papers. 
But according to your weather report, the temperature in Needles, California was 135 degrees. That needled me. So did the slip of paper I found on his shoe. The number nine and a date had been stamped on it with a rubber stamp. The date was the same as that of the weather reports. I turned it over. It said Ruthie's booth, Manson Bowling Alley. Cigar type. Corona's a panatelli. Uh, thanks. I'm just shopping. Oh. Uh, I got a nice line of notions. So have I. Uh, no, I mean the dolls. The Hollywood dolls. You know, for the bed. Only a dollar plus tax. Very reasonable. Say, what's on your mind? Uh, Leo sent me. Oh. Are you going to collect the slips hereafter? Well, uh, not tonight. You see, I'm uh, sort of a troubleshooter. Leo's uh, checking up on some of the numbers that didn't come out right. Listen, I'll tell him to his face. I don't want any part of those wrong numbers. They're scary. Nuts. Who bought this one? Let me see. Oh, last Thursday. Oh, number nine. How can I forget? He put $500. And honest, if he's been around once, he's been around a hundred times to see if it paid off. Did it? What's his name? Mr. Spinelli. He buys a slip every day. And if you ask me, he's learned a system. Because he's been winning, you know. Dimes and then a dollar and then five dollars. And then when he come in with 500 on number nine, utterly dropped dead. Did it win? Where does he live? <gasps> it did. Wait, I'll look on the sheet. Hey, somebody else was in just this afternoon. Give me that address. Hurry up, will you? Well, it's right around the corner on Manson, 810. Say, maybe that's his system, 8 and 1. Don't that add up to 9? Hey, what's the matter? Where are you going in such a rush? Please, come back later. Tomorrow... Next week. Are you Mrs. Spinelli? Yes, please. I had so much trouble. Is your husband home? Oh, my poor man. They take him away. He's dead. Oh, I'm sorry. How did it happen? Who are you? I'm a detective. Maybe I can help you. May I come in? All right. Come on. quite a while to gain her confidence, and after that it took still quite a while to piece together the grief-stricken grumble of words that poured out of her. When I got it down in the form of a statement, I asked her to read it over. Item. Statement by Mrs. Arturo Spinelli. All the time he played those numbers, I told him they're just a bunch of gangsters. They don't let you win. Then he met this man Macaulay, a writer for the newspaper. My husband says this man shows him how to win. He wins and wins. Then he goes to bank and takes out all our savings. I begged for him not to do it. But no, no, he was greedy. And this Macaulay poisoned his mind. Sure, he won. He brought the money home in his hand. Ten thousand dollars. I don't want it. I'm scared. I took it while he was sleeping with wine and gave it to the men. I tell him all I want is the 500. He tried to tell me we do good. We help catch the big gangsters. I say we don't want to do so good we get murdered in our bed. So he says, okay. But if I change mine, here is address. 
I don't change my mind. Because already my husband, he is dead. At home. Stand. No, I don't change my mind. She signed it, and I left her alone with her grief. I wasn't working for you anymore, Mr. Youngblood. You hired me to find your reporter, and I had. And I wished I hadn't. The rest of it I did for myself. You weren't in your office when I got there, but Phyllis was. I found her behind the city desk in the act of dropping tomorrow morning's weather report into the slot. I grabbed it out of her hand. What? Oh, it's you. Where's your boss? At home, I guess. We'll talk in his office. Come on. Sam, I, I can explain how I have to be... You're going to explain plenty before I'm finished with you. Sit down. Oh, you... I don't have to be so rough. What's the matter with you? Plenty. I'm stupid. I was stupid to take this job, and I was stupid to play it cagey with you. I should have beaten the story out of you before the trouble started. It's a little late in the day now, but not too late to send you up for McCulley's murder. Oh, you're insane. Ray McCulley was... I'm the only one who ever tried to help and you. And I'm the only one who can place you in that room, not ten minutes before the murder. I told you I can explain Stop why... trying to save your own skin. Spinelli was only one of a half million poor dumb yucks that lose their nickels and dimes and dollars every day in the policy racket. Only he had the bad luck to win. There won't be any more lucky dead people like him if I have to make a patsy out of you to stop it. It won't stop it. Nothing will. Ray talked big and brave like you. Now he's dead. Yeah, with 10,000 bucks dirty money in his wallet. I won't let you say things like that. Ray was an honest reporter, too honest... He thought Youngblood meant what he said about that cleanup campaign. Yeah, he did. He wanted to run this town by himself, clean up his competition. When Ray started collecting material on the numbers racket, he still thought Youngblood was on the level. But that was before he stumbled onto the thing about the weather reports. Yeah, yeah, that was a new one. The old Dutch Schultz mob used to add up the stock market quotations. If they cheated, they knew their customers weren't good enough at arithmetic to prove it. But who knows how hot it is in Phoenix unless they live there. I don't know what you're talking about. Listen. That's how the number game works, sweetheart. The suckers pick a number from one to ten, see? The operators tally up the slips, and the least popular for that day has to win. The weather report doesn't have to pass through the copy desk, and with young blood pasting it up with a few strategic corrections, it was easy to make their winners look as if they were on the level. Oh. But of course, you had no way of knowing that. You only watched them do it day after day. You know, I couldn't understand why he did those things. It, it seemed silly falsifying a weather report, but it didn't seem as if it could do any harm. What did you meet McCulley for? To get your cut of the ten grand Spinelli was killed for? How dare you? I went there to warn him about Who you. Who killed him? I don't know. You're lying. All right, I'm lying. But I can prove that Ray was on the level. I've got the proof right here. The whole story he wrote on the numbers racket, even naming Youngblood as the head of it, his own publisher. I went there to get it. I was going to take it to another newspaper. Why didn't you? I can't tell you that. You don't have to. Mrs. Spinelli was confused. Grief crazed. She had to put the blame on somebody, and when she did, she got her revenge the only way she thought she could. She may have been right about that, but she killed the wrong man. Why didn't you tell me you knew who killed Ray? I wanted to give you a chance to tell me yourself. I'm glad you didn't. And that, Mr. Youngblood, is the crop. I'm sure you appreciate the fact that I gave the double scoop to your paper... Like uh, Mrs. Spinelli, I have my own ideas of vengeance. Besides, it may up your circulation a little, and you can certainly use a little extra money for your defense. Uh, by the way, who's Leo? Uh, period, end of report. But Sam... Yes, Evie? I thought Mrs. Spinelli killed Ray McCulley. The vacation helped. You are absolutely correct. Mrs. Spinelli killed Mr. McCulley, if you'll pardon the expression. But why did she kill her husband? I was wrong. The vacation didn't help. 
You mean she didn't? She killed McCulley to avenge the murder of her husband. You mean Mr. McCulley killed Mr. Spinelli? Effie, stop. I'll go mad. Oh, you need a vacation, Sam. Look, type that up. The clatter of the keys may stimulate you to further cerebral activity. I beg your pardon, Sam? Brain work. Now, shoot. Oh, brain work. Oh, you know best. Tonight, men, or first thing tomorrow, get Wild Root Cream Oil and see what wonders it does for your hair. Notice how easy it is to apply. Notice what a neat, natural job it does of grooming your hair. Notice, too, how effectively Wild Root Cream Oil relieves annoying dryness and removes loose, ugly dandruff. No getting around it. Once you try it, you'll never be without it. So tonight, or first thing tomorrow, call at your drug or toilet goods counter for Wild Root Cream Oil. Get the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Well, here it is, Sam. And you were absolutely right. The typing cleared my mind. It's all clear now except for one thing. Well, let's clear that up right away. Why did Mrs. Spinelli kill her husband? She did not kill her husband. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant, why did Mr. McCulley kill Mr. Spinelli? Kelly did not kill Spinelli. Who's Kelly? McCulley. McCulley's real name was Kelly? Now, let's start all over again. Disregard everything we said up until now. Make your mind a complete blank. All right, Sam. In the first place, McCulley did not kill Spinelli. That's what I said. It was his wife, wasn't it? Now, wasn't it, Sam? Oh, stop teasing me. Sam, why do you look at me like that? Effie, Mr. Spinelli was killed by one of the policy racket hoods to get back the ten grand he won on the numbers game. Then how did the money get into Kelly's pocket? McCulley's. Why do you insist on using his alias, Sam? Effie, Effie, that was a tip of the song. I I mean, look, Mrs. Spinelli took it to him because she was afraid her husband might be killed for it. Then why didn't they take the money when they killed him? Because Mrs. Spinelli had already taken it. Then she did kill him. Go home, Effie. All right, Sam. I'm sorry I'm so irritable to you, but I I thought it's... Well, it's been so long since I've been here, you know, Sam. Angel, Angel, you're just tired. Vacations have a habit of doing that to you. After a week or two in the office, you'll be all rested up again. I'll take it easy. You act as though you thought my mind were affected. Come here. Sam, now don't. My sunburn. Oh, it hurts. It's nice to have you back. You look good, too. All tanned and healthy. It's great. I think my nose is peeling. Well, don't pick at it. (laughs) I won't. (laughs) Good night. Good night, sweetheart. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Loreen Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Gil Dowd directed tonight's broadcast in William Spears' absence. Join us again next Sunday for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. 
I love those singing commercials at the end of these radio shows. Not all of them, but, you know, that one's great. Hiya, Baldy. And here's the thing. I wonder why they only marketed wild root cream oil to men. To men, yeah. Because you, you use it. I think it's great. It I looks know. good on me. It does look good on you. It's I, a little I drippy like the look. and greasy. but I know, but it's a look. But it's... it's, it's it, I love my hair greasy. You know, it looks good on you, That's greasy right. hair. Yeah, anything you know? would look good on me, though, this don't you true. think? This is true. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that is the missing Newshawk caper. On the Adventures of Sam Spade Detective, July 18, 1948, William Spear, who normally directed this show, was off this week. So Gil Dowd, who wrote the script, did the directing. Heard on CBS. I hope you enjoyed that. Time for this month in music history. That's right. And we're moving right along in 1991. Club? No. Who is it? This is R.E.M. Oh. Losing My Religion. Oh, yeah. Released on the album Out of Time and at the 1992 Grammys it won two awards. It's a great yeah. song. Yeah, oh, it is. It's, a, it's an awesome song. Yeah, I still like this. That's me this is timeless. Spotlight. Losing My Religion. Alright, thanks All right. Lisa Wolf. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, it's Dimension X, and we're also going to play Beat the Host, right, Lisa? That's right. It's all about Cheryl Teagues. If you're a fan and who isn't, you can give us a call at 312-642-5600. We're looking for caller number six to be on the air, play Beat the Host, and win a prize, and it's all true or false. Super easy. Give us a call, 312-642-5600. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio. 